Hello, friends, and welcome. Thanks so much for listening. There's a famous passage in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a great blessing to arrive at a point in your life where you're heavy laden, where your sin is a burden to you. It's a gift if your sin causes you to be heavy laden. Earlier this week, I saw a doctor testifying before the Congress of the United States. She was talking about performing abortions and how she um, she had no, no shame and how she was proud of her work and how um, she was upset that uh, there were actually limitations because she couldn't abort babies after 20 weeks uh, in the womb, that she wanted to be able to abort them even after 20 weeks. But she thought it was unfortunate that the law kept her from aborting babies after they were 20 weeks old in their mother's womb. What a terrifying thing that that's not burdensome to her. What a terrifying thing that as human beings we have the capacity to do evil and it not be burdensome to us. What a terrifying thing that we can do evil and think that we're doing good. In fact, some of the greatest tragedies worked by humankind on the earth were when people thought they were doing good. When we arrive at a place of having no shame or our own wickedness and our own vileness, our own evilness, that is a frightening place indeed. This is why we need God's law. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 8, Paul writes, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. We need the law to examine us. You know, when we, when we come to the scriptures, we shouldn't just come to examine the scriptures. We want the scriptures to examine us. The law is for the unrighteous, Paul says. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus cranks up the intensity of the law even more when he says, You have heard it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her. You have heard it said that it was you shall not commit murder, uh, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And so Jesus intensifies this examination of our hearts by the law. And he shows us that the, the true meaning of scriptures was not just to not engage in these uh, sinful activities, but to transform us. And yet because of our flesh, the law was powerless to transform us. We needed the Holy Spirit to transform us. So Jesus ratchets up the intensity of the law and he, he's telling them, uh, 
Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying that that righteousness that they have isn't enough. And he he brings it all to a crescendo at the end of Matthew chapter 5 and uh, verse 48. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so this should cause us just to throw up our hands and to realize I can't do it. I can never be perfect. My righteousness can never exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's the point. That's where the law brings us to where we make this confession that I can't. The burden is too great. I can't carry this burden. I'm, the, this yoke is unbearable. I can't carry it. I can't, I, I can't do it. And then God gives us his righteousness. God gives us the righteousness of Jesus, that righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, that righteousness that makes us perfect. When we look at the law, when b- before we get saved, we should be burdened, we should be weighed down, we should be convicted and, and really hopeless in the face of our own corruption. However, the law is not for the righteous. After you get born again, after you give your life to Jesus and you get born again, you don't have to live by the law. The Bible says that after we get born again, we live by the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, leading us, guiding us, directing us. But before you get born again, you don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And so you're left to yourself to decide what's right and what's wrong. That's a result of the fall from when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to be independent from God and decide for themselves what was good and what was evil. And as a result, we see all of the brokenness in the world. But God in his great kindness, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For while we were enemies of God, he reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. So how much more now, after you get saved, how much more now are you free, are you safe from God's wrath? Because he put his wrath towards sin onto Jesus Christ at the cross. And so it's such a gift if your sin is a burden to you. And it's such a frightening, dangerous thing if your sin is not a burden to you. If you want to call what is wicked, good. And in many cases, people want to call what is good, bad. And the church, the Bible says that the church of the living God is a pillar and buttress of the truth. That the church is in the world for for many purposes, to be sure. But one of those is to be a, a signpost to the kingdom of God and to the righteousness of God and to be able to say to the world, this is how God thinks about things. That we're able to take the wisdom of God and speak it out into the issues that are facing the world. I believe that this is why the gift of prophecy is so important. Because if we can't prophecy, what do we have to offer to the world? Now, of course, I know probably actually the gift of love is the most important and that that self-sacrificing, selfless love that Christ had for us, that we demonstrate that to the world, that that's actually probably the primary way that Jesus wants us to demonstrate 
what his kingdom is like to the world because that's the commandment that he leaves us with. He says, as I have loved you, love one another. And by this people will know you're my disciples, that you love one another. But Paul said, I desire that you all prophesy so that we can speak the mind of God into each person's life, into each situation, into nations, so that we can be light, we can be salt. And that's what Peter talked about in Acts chapter 2, verse 18. He said at Pentecost that this was the, the Holy Spirit coming among the people of God was the fulfillment of Joel. And when Joel said, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy on male servants and female servants. And so we, the church needs to be a loving and prophetic voice, both at the same time, doing what the Bible says, to speak the truth in love. That we have to stand up and speak the truth and speak it in love. And know that there are people who God is calling. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So we have to know that when we speak out the truth, that there are people who God is drawing to himself. And I don't know how that works, the, the mystery of man's free will and God's drawing and how all of that works. I, I had a whole podcast on that, on the series on prayer, that there's almost this uh, indiscernible mystery that it's like two sides of a roof that come together uh, somewhere far over our heads. And, and we're not able to discern where that line is. But I know that Paul said, in 2 Timothy 2.10, he says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And so I know that Paul was willing to endure anything for the sake of the elect. He didn't say the elect or the elect, and, and so I don't, I don't really have to do anything because they're all elect anyway. He said, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. And so even though perhaps it's a mystery we can't get our minds around completely, we still have to be faithful to speak out the word of God, knowing that God is drawing people to himself. And also perhaps knowing that God is not drawing everyone and God is allowing people to go their own way. But for those who are burdened, as I said before, for those who are feeling the weight, the yoke of their sin, that they can come to Jesus and they can take that burden off and they can take on his easy yoke, his light burden. What a gift. And so if you're, if you're grieved over your sin, I want to encourage you that that is a gift from God because there are many millions, perhaps billions of people who are not grieved over their sin, who are not weighted down by their sin, who want to say that their sin is a good thing. And who some people even want to say, you calling their sin, sin is a bad thing. But Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we mourn our sin, Jesus comforts us. That part of Christ's calling was to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, that he may be glorified. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're discouraged by your your progress in the Lord or you're still struggling, you're still getting caught up in that sin that so easily entangles you, um, don't lose heart. 
Proverbs 24, 16 says, The righteous falls seven times. And so seven is the number of perfection, right? The number of completion and rises again. So the righteous can fall this perfect number of times. The righteous can completely fall, completely fail, and rises again. But the wicked stumble in times of calamity. And so take heart that if your sin is a burden to you, if you're grieved by your sin, that it's evidence that you belong to him, that he has converted your heart, and that you desire righteousness. What a gift of God. And just repent and know that Jesus Christ has already made the provision for your sin 2,000 years ago at the cross. When Jesus died for you 2,000 years ago, he forgave every sin you've ever committed and every sin that you're going to commit. Jesus is not in heaven dying for our sin over and over and over. The Bible says that he died one time for all sin and that your sin has been completely forgiven and that when Christ made the provision for your sin at Golgotha 2,000 years ago, he knew every sin that you were going to commit and he still said, it is finished and he paid the debt in full. So take heart, receive the grace and the mercy of God and rise up in righteousness knowing that God has forgiven you and that you are blameless before God. So take his yoke upon you, learn from him, for he is gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening.